Well, is everybody happy tonight? Amen. If you're not happy, you can get that way. <laughs> is it all right, uh, Scott, if I just keep this mic? Okay. Take your Bibles and let's, uh, let's turn in the Word of God to... Uh, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look uh, again at the Beatitudes, starting with uh, verse 1. Our our subject tonight is, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's... uh, Let's go and uh, read that entire uh, passage of Scripture if we could. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, and remember the word blessed or blessed uh, is the Greek word makarios, Makarios uh, carries with it the idea of inner peace and happiness and contentment. Has nothing to do with materialistic or external things. Has everything to do about what we go around with us on the inside, how we feel in here. And uh, Jesus said, if you develop these attitudes, you're going to be blessed on the inside. You're going to have peace, love, and joy that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, poor in spirit means being able to say, I need help. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Not just those that go around being sad, but those that humble themselves and weep and cry over the appropriate things. Things that we need to be sad about. Things that we get under a burden for. Jesus said if we do that, We're going to be happy on the inside because we're going to discover the comfort that God gives to those. Now, tonight our scripture text, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. The word meek there is in the Greek language preos. Preos. And the word preos means to uh, have strength, but at the same time be tender and humble. So, really, the way that Jesus is talking about this. Blessed are those who are strong, 
but easy to live with. A lot of people have the idea that meekness is associated with weakness and meekness has nothing to do with weakness. As a matter of fact, it has everything to do with strength. The way many, many human beings think about this issue is that the louder we are, the, angry, the angrier we can become, the more intense we are, then that's what we're looking for in, in, in attitude. But Jesus says just the opposite, just the very opposite. He says those in the kingdom who are going to be successful, uh, who are going to live life to its best, are going to be those, yes, who are strong, those who have an inner strength, those who have will, those who, can, uh, who have a desire to get things done, those that can push past the problem and keep on going, but at the same time, it has to be clothed or covered in, meek, in, uh, in humility and gentleness. And so everybody say this with me. I am strong, but I'm easy to live with. See, that's what we want. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what we want. That's what all the women in this room want from their husbands. They want them to be strong, but they want them to be easy to live with. And ma'am, I'm telling you, your husband wants the same thing from you. Strength under God's control. The person who is meek is strong yet teachable. Not hard-headed, not rebellious, not indifferent, but listening and teachable. It is a person who is strong yet humble and tender. The greatest men are those who can be strong but at the same time embrace tears. It is a man with all the emotions and ability to take and to conquer, but at the same time to rule over his own life, to control himself. It is discipline at its apex. A man disciplined because he is controlled by God. A man who is controlled by the Holy Spirit. The opposite of meekness is what we call arrogance and is rooted in pride. In so many people, there is an air of sufficiency and superiority. But a meek person knows that he has needs and does not have all the answers. The meek person understands that he is only sufficient in God and not just in himself. The person who is meek is a person who is controlled and not undisciplined. Uh, it is, it is uh, one of the pictures, word pictures, that I was reading about earlier in the week as I was studying this is the picture of a horse uh, who is wild. And, uh, and then that horse is bridled and saddled and, uh, and then able to be ridden. Uh, that's that's kind of the picture of, uh, of meekness. Strength under control. Strength that is being controlled. And 
all of us know in this room that the human nature uh, left to itself is, uh, is out of control. Okay, thank you for that one amen. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll be glad to take a few more if you'll throw them at me. Uh, our nature, if, if left to itself, is, is out of control. We always go to the uh, nth degree. We take it to the limit, if, if you will. We push the card just as far as we are possibly able to. And so that's why Paul talks about us in the sense of walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit and being controlled by the Lordship of Christ. And when, when we are bridled by the Word of God and we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're like a, a horse, a wild horse, but able to be controlled. And uh, I, I rode horses when I was growing up, and, and uh, I tell you what, that, that bit in the horse's mouth, I can understand why they didn't want to put, I, we had this one horse, he, he just didn't like to take a bit in his, in his mouth at all. He just, he'd do everything he could to keep from doing it. And uh, of course, his nature was that way. He just didn't want to be controlled. But we'd get that, finally get the, the bridle on him and the bit in his mouth. And, and uh, you could take it and you could just pull him one way or pull him the other way. And he'd go because he knew if he didn't, it was really going to, he was really going to put some hurt on him. So uh, the bit is, uh, is important. And uh, can, can I talk to you a little bit about being a really uh, committed follower of Jesus Christ? And, and a lot of us don't like to talk about it like this, but you put that bit in a horse's mouth. And James, if you go over to the book of James, uh, uh, James was a half-brother of Jesus, and he grew up in the house with him. And, and he didn't really follow the Lord until after... Jesus was resurrected and and then of course he saw the glory of of the resurrected Christ and he decided then it was it was Jesus was really who he claimed to be and and James became a great apostle of the Lord and and really the elder of the church at Jerusalem a great great influence for the kingdom of God and he writes about the horse being controlled by a bit he talks about the ship being controlled by a rudder. He, 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 talks, he talks about uh, the ability of the Word of God and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life uh, bringing us to a place of control and discipline. And uh, you've, you've ever, has everybody heard this? Uh, no pain, no gain. Wave at me if you've heard that. Okay, that's better. That was five people. <laughs> Thank you for participating. Uh, no pain, no gain. And, and in the Christian life, I just want to tell you something. If there's not any pain, there's not any gain. And, and nowadays, we're, we're living in a day and an hour when, uh, when we're trying to, to eliminate the cross out of the gospel. And, 
Because the cross in the mind of a lot of neo-contemporary preachers is offensive to people. And, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, duh. The cross is offensive to people. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He intended it to be offensive to the flesh. He crucified His flesh so that we would come to the place when we embrace His cross that we would get on the cross with Him spiritually speaking and we would crucify our lust and our desires and those things that are unlike Him. You cannot truly live an overcoming life unless you embrace the cross of Jesus and the cross of Jesus will bring pain to your life. Now I'm just preaching. I'm just telling you I am. Don't ask me to be mamby-pamby. Don't ask me to be panty-waisted. Oh, dear God, did I say that? You know, it's, it's time for, for the Word of God to become the bridle that is in the horse's mouth that turns us, that moves us. And, and, and when we disobey the Word of God, it should bring pain to us. We should feel convicted about it. We should feel moved by it. When the Word of God teaches us, this is the way, walk you in it, and we decide that we're going to go some other way, there ought to be a sense that we have disappointed God. And we're living in a day and an hour when people can sit in church and the preaching that is preached is, 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 is not... The, the whole Word of God, I'm not saying it's not some of the Word of God, it, it may be, but, but I'm telling you, unless we are brought under conviction by the Holy Spirit, we're not hearing the Gospel. The Gospel will bring you to conviction. It'll encourage you, it'll make you cry, it'll bring joy to your life, it'll make you happy, but all that has to do with us getting on the cross and embracing what Jesus did there for us. You can't be happy living the Christian life without a cross. And so meekness is tied to discipline. And discipline is tied to the Word of God and the cross of Jesus Christ and the, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to what Romans 6 verse 12 says. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. What, what is the Bible simply saying? Be controlled. Be disciplined. Don't let that which is of this world control you. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient or urgent or necessary. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any of those things. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What a powerful scripture. Paul is telling us that we've got to keep our body and its desires and its, and its lust under, under subjection to the, the lordship of Jesus. If we don't do that, we, we can preach to others and they may be saved. But then in the end, we'll be a, a, a castaway. A lost person. James 3.2 says, in many things we offend, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. 
And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to temperance God, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Second Peter 1, 5 and 7. So the person who is meek is a controlled, disciplined person. Number two, the person who is meek is humble, not proud. He is humble before God. He knows his need for God and for God's hand upon his life. His need to be saved and his need to be controlled by the Lord. He is humble before men. He knows he is not the epitome of mankind. He knows there are shortcomings in his life. He knows he does not have all knowledge. And he does not have or ever will have all that that he will ever need. He will be dependent upon God. Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other before themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Number three, the person who is who is meek, is gentle, and not easily provoked. He is always in control when dealing with people. He is cool, even-tempered, able to show displeasure without reacting impulsively, able to answer softly and speak kindly when under duress. Now, I know that's asking a lot of us because because the flesh is not geared that way. The flesh wants to snap back. The flesh wants to say something in the same tone that somebody else said it to us. But the person who is truly meek is a person who is under control, humble, gentle, not easily provoked. We have to get to the place where, as 2 Timothy 2.24 says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive or be given to strife. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. Now, can I, can I tell you that that is a characteristic that is highly valued in a pastor. And it's one that we've kind of cast to the side in, 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 in this modern day that we're, we're living in. A man of God, a servant of the Lord, must not be given to strife. If somebody's trying to cause trouble in the church or if somebody is mad and angry, I can't get down where they are and act like they're acting. Come on now. I can't behave with the same tone that somebody else is misbehaving with. I I have to get to the place where I am gentle with all people apt to teach and patient. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that the love of God, agapeo or agape, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. 1 Corinthians 
The person who is meek is forgiving and not revengeful. Everybody say the person who is meek is forgiving, not vengeful. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I think sometimes we forget that if we hold a grudge, that that grudge will keep us from experiencing the forgiveness of God in our life. We have to let it go because, you see, God, when He, when he forgives us, it is, it, it is the concept of releasing a debt that we owe to Him. If we've sinned against God, then we owe Him a debt. The wages of sin is death. The debt that we owe is death. But God, in His extreme love through Jesus Christ, lets go of that. He's been offended. We owe Him a debt. But He releases that. And that's what He's asking us to do. Forgiveness is not about feeling rosy about everybody. I've forgiven a lot of people that I don't like to hang with. I figured out some of us can get along better away from each other. <laughs> That's a little bit of wisdom there. But the truth of the matter is forgiveness is a choice. And it takes a meek person. It takes a meek person. Somebody who is strong but easy to get along with. Easy to live with. Somebody who is under control. To forgive. Make a choice to release the debt that somebody owes you for the wrong that they have committed against you. When we do that, can I say it like this? We are most like God when we forgive. Come on, say it with me. We are most like God when we forgive. Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, let him starve to death. No, that's not what it says. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you throw hot coals on his head and burn him up. What you do is when you, when you treat somebody well who is an enemy of yours, and you know how they've treated you and how they feel about you, but if you treat them well, if you respond to them out of love and kindness, the Bible says that will be a means by which the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to them. They'll begin to feel bad about what's going on in their life between you and them. Come on now. And the meek person knows how to do that. The meek person is a quiet person. I... I uh, I wasn't real sure I agreed with that. But in the sense that it's being said here, I want us to, to get a hold of that. The meek person is a quiet person, and he's quiet in this sense. He's not quiet that he doesn't sometimes feel like he needs to say anything. That's not what it's talking about. 
It's talking about a quiet spirit. It's talking about not feeling or being driven to, to, to always be out front. Uh, it, it's a person of a quiet and a meek spirit. Yes, we'll talk when we need to. We'll talk when it's appropriate. We'll even talk when we, we feel moved or constrained by the Holy Spirit to do, though, to do that. But at the same time, we're not just looking to be heard all the time. Have you just ever seen somebody that just like to be heard all the time? Don't answer that. I'm glad my wife's not in here. The meek person is a quiet person. He studies to be quiet. Psalm 4, 4 says, Stand in awe and sin not. In other words, stand in awe of God. Stand in awe of what God is doing. And, 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 and be quiet. Don't open your mouth. Sin not. That's what that's referring to, literally, is, is don't open your mouth. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. He is quiet before God. That person is quietly surrendered to the Lord, acknowledging his need without show or pomp, and he quietly goes before God daily, depending upon God for his guidance and for his care. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 46, verse 10. We're not only quiet before God, but we're quiet before others. He walks quietly before men, controlled in all things, in both speech and behavior. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11 says, And that you study to be quiet. I want you all to go home and, and, and read that over and over and over again. Get a hold of it. Because I hadn't got that yet. And that you study to be quiet. Have you ever been watching the news and something comes on that just irritates you? And you start talking back to the TV? And my wife says, why are you talking to the TV? They can't hear you. And it is kind of dumb, isn't it? You think about it. Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we, the apostles, have commanded you. Pray for kings and all those that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. 1 Peter 3, 4. Now the Bible says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit here in just a second. Land this airplane. Two points that need to be stressed in the, the meek shall inherit the earth. First of all, the meek will inherit the earth now. And what is meant by that is they will enjoy and experience the good things of earth because... A meek person is not stirring up trouble. A meek person is not scattering problems. A meek person is going to be able to handle the, the adversities of life better than somebody who is strong-willed or somebody who is boisterous or somebody who is tempestuous or somebody who can't control themselves. You remember Sunday morning I read to you a scripture 
uh, really was one of our theme verses, Proverbs chapter 25, what is it, verse 28. And it talks about a person who cannot control or rule over his own spirit. He's like a city that is broken down and, and doesn't have walls. And the issue is exactly that. As a meek person, we're going to be able to maintain civility in life and uh, at the same time enjoy and appreciate the things that are given to us. The meek have found themselves, they are comfortable with themselves, they know who they are, and therefore they are strong and they're confident, and they're tender and they're humble. All of those things are qualities that God can bless and prosper in the earth. The meek know where they are going. They are teachable. They have nothing to prove. They have their own inner purpose, meaning, and significance in life. The meek are assured of victory, conquest, triumph over whatever confronts them. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen, listen to this. There hath no temptation taken you, such as is, but, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. The meek are assured of victory, triumph, conquest over anything that confronts them. Why? Because the meek are not controlled by their circumstances, the meek control their circumstances. They are free from the stress and the tension of misbehavior. Have you ever misbehaved? Boy, when we misbehave, it just adds a whole lot of stress to things, doesn't it? Yeah. Wherein, if we walk meekly or humbly before the Lord, we don't put ourselves in those kinds of stressful situations. The meek have peaceful souls. They carry whatever pressure and tension comes their way to Christ. And the Bible says that the Lord takes it all. Matthew 11, uh, verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The earth will not only be ours now, but it will be ours in the future. The meek shall inherit the earth. And I'll close with this. And then we'll pray. Jesus was speaking prophetically when he said the meek shall inherit the earth. Of course, the Christians, the saved, the believer, those who know Christ, we're looking for the day when the trumpet of God shall sound 
And uh, the Bible tells us that when it does, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Their bodies are going to rise. They're already with the Lord. And their soul and spirit are going to be reunited in the air. And we which are alive are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then, then about seven years later, after we've been raptured and in the presence of God, gone through the marriage supper of the Lamb and, and gotten our rewards in, in, in the kingdom, at the judgment seat of Christ. Then the Bible says in Revelation 19, and I saw heaven opened, and I saw one sitting upon a white horse robed in, in white and fine linen, and he had a vesture dipped in blood, and on his thigh was a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, and the armies that were in heaven followed him. Folks, he's coming back. And we're coming back with him. And where are we coming back to? This earth. And we're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. It's called the Millennial Kingdom. And the Bible says in that time, Satan will be bound in a bottomless pit for a thousand years and darkness will, will not have its prevalence in the land. And, and listen to it. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the, the lion will start to eat ox, uh, start to eat straw like an ox. His nature will change. And children will pick up spiders and, and poisonous snakes and not even worry about it because nothing will hurt or harm in all of God's holy mountain. That's what the Word of God says. The, the lamb will lay, lay down by the wolf. Now, how many of you know that don't work right now? Somebody would have lamb stew. But in that day, there's not going to be anything that hurts or harms in all of God's holy mountain. And the meek shall inherit the earth. That means us, the people of God. We're going to be with Jesus in that millennial kingdom forever, forever. Wow. Can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But I'm going to be there. <laughs> Why don't you stand with me tonight? And let's make a commitment right now in this room before we go home. And let's say to Jesus, Lord, we're going to let you develop meekness in our life. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. I am strong, but I'm easy to live with. 